Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Sven Gunter, a fourth-year resident at Case Western Reserve University and the University Hospital's Cleveland Medical Center. Sven is from San Diego, went to college at the University of California, San Diego, and completed medical school and a master's degree in clinical research at the University of California, Davis. Sven, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jenna. Very nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. I'd love to get started by hearing kind of a broad overview about your program at Case. Sure. So we are a six-year program of uh, completely integrated Typically for our program, we're not the, the kind of the three by three. I know a lot of programs have the first three years of sort of general surgery and then the last three years is plastic surgery. So in our program, we actually start out really early in plastic surgery. Our PGY1s have four months of plastic surgery and our PGY2s actually have seven months of plastic surgery. By the time you're a PGY3, you've actually completed all of your general surgery curriculum. Uh, that's designated by the ACGME and uh, is actually by the time you're a PGY3, you're doing completely plastic surgery. Obviously within that, we do have kind of separate rotations within our plastic surgery sort of time, whether that's, uh, you know, private practice at um, our university hospital, a community hospital, or electives and that sort of stuff. But it all sort of falls under the umbrella of plastic surgery. And what are some of the different sites that you rotate through? Our main hospital is the University Hospital, obviously. We also uh, spend a lot of our time at a county hospital that's local by us, um, which is actually very, very special in that they are academic and are part of the Case Western Medical School as well. But we also do a lot of our cosmetic stuff there, so it's kind of a special hospital in that sort of sense. Connected to our university hospital is actually our children's hospital, so it's kind of two hospitals that are sort of squished together. And then, of course, uh, we spend a lot of time with our private practice people out in the community as well. And are there any one area or multiple areas of plastic surgery that residents feel like they come out kind of with the strongest knowledge base in? That's really hard to say. I think one of the benefits of our program is we're actually very, very balanced. We have a good reconstruction. We work at two level one hospitals, so we get a lot of trauma, a lot of hand trauma, a lot of face trauma. We have the pediatric hospital that we do a lot of our craniofacial stuff, box osteotomies, cranial vaults, obviously a cleft palate, cleft lip, that, etc. And a lot of cosmetics, actually, I think, in our program compared to other programs. About half of our graduates end up leaving um, and going into a fellowship, but about half of them are able to go uh, just find jobs right out or are able to do private practice. I don't think we have... Uh, super weak area. And I think that we have a really good breadth of all of plastic surgery. And you mentioned that it's a fully integrated program, so there are no independent residents. Are there any fellows that you work with? Uh, so we currently do not have any fellows. Uh, there has been some talk about possibly adding a craniofacial fellow on. Part of that reason is because we have such a large amount of craniofacial surgery that happens at our hospital. We have two full-time attendings that are craniofacial trained. We have enough volume that we are looking to possibly get a fellow in the future. 
What are some of the research expectations at your program and how is research supported? I would say that there isn't really a research expectation per se. We do have three months of dedicated research time that's typically in our second and third year. And we have a lot of resources, whether it's clinical, we have a, a large basic science lab, we have an animal lab as well that you can do research in. Our program really focuses on kind of doing what you want to do. Some people take that research time and really fly with it, and some have a lot of basic science and do a lot of publications. Some do a little bit less. So I think that it, it's very varied and the support is definitely there, but there isn't an expectation that you have to do research, but everybody does. And what are the opportunities like for electives more so in the later years? So we have two to four months of electives during our senior years. That has kind of been flexing and changing with kind of our program and trying to build our ideal, perfect sort of schedule for all of the residents. But during that elective time, uh, you are able to leave Cleveland. We are also looking to expand that to have some international sort of electives available as well, although that is kind of just uh, starting right now. A lot to go into that to kind of set those up. So right now, are there any opportunities to do even like shorter mission trip experiences? So once a year, one of our attendings does uh, go do kind of an overseas uh, craniofacial experience and takes uh, one resident yearly. That's probably the only thing right now, but I foresee there being more of that kind of in the future as we sort of build. And you mentioned a little bit about some of the different sites where you get cosmetic experience. Do you have dedicated cosmetic months or is it more so peppered throughout your other rotations? As seniors, we have two dedicated aesthetic months. Those are uh, in the community with the private practice surgeons. Also, uh, we completely cover Dr. Guyron, who I'm sure you all know, all of the year. So there is a resident with Dr. Guyron completely all of the year. In addition to that as well, we also have um, later in our years, we have this infolded fellowship. And the infolded fellowship is kind of an idea for you to sort of hone uh, what you're interested in more. In our senior years, we have that built to uh, three months in our fifth year. And what that time kind of allows you to do is kind of focus on areas that you would do for sort of a fellowships, whether that's craniofacial, cosmetics, micro, hand, of course, kind of gives you an extra time to sort of do that. So that could also be used for doing aesthetic uh, time as well. In addition to that, we also have our, our senior aesthetics clinic. So you can have your own aesthetics patients. Uh, you do them with the people in the community, which tends to be really, really uh, good as well. At our county hospital, we actually do quite a bit of uh, cosmetic surgery there, which is, is unusual for uh, a county hospital. For example, we did three rhinoplasties this week at the, at the county hospital. So that's something that we also do frequently there as well as facelifts, flaps, you know, body contouring, that, etc. A little less of that at the university-based hospital, as you would expect kind of with more, with most programs, but definitely a great experience there as well, both in the body contouring, breasts, and then our injectable clinic, obviously, we have a resident injectable clinic about every three months that we have our own patients for doing fillers, Botox, etc. In case anyone does not know who Dr. Guyron is, could you briefly mention him? He basically wrote the book on rhinoplasty. He has been one of the leaders in rhinoplasty for the last 40 years. He also is the developer of migraine surgery. He is a, a, a gem in our program. He used to be our program director. 
and has since stepped down, but still is, is very large in teaching in our program. And what kind of experience is there with gender affirmation surgery? So again, we actually have a really great uh, experience in that I'm planning and specializing in gender affirmation surgery. And it was one of the reasons that actually came to our case program. We have Dr. Medali, 100% of his practice is gender affirming surgery, mostly top surgery. Dr. Tatanchi, again, at our, our county hospital, does a lot of facial feminization. All of the physicians there do top surgeries. We have tracheal shaves, and those happen in a really uh, regular basis as well. At our university hospital, they are just starting to kind of get off the ground our bottom program. So there is a reconstructive urologist that just uh, started uh, this year. And our plastic surgery division is also working on working with him just to try to get our kind of bottom program going off, which is actually starting now. We're starting to get patients and get referrals in right now. And is moonlighting possible during your residency? Unfortunately not, but I think even if we did have the chance for moonlighting, it were a very, very busy residency, and I'm not sure that there would be adequate time for that. And are there any particularly awesome perks about your program you'd like to share? Starting your year one, you get loops. We get usually a yearly team jackets. They're working on getting what we like to call a case Western swag. So ties, pins, that side of thing. We definitely want to represent our program and, you know, show our best face. As far as for courses, labs, those type of thing, there's a lot of money in our program. And really, if you can make a case to do really anything in our program, our chairman, Dr. Kumar, is really supporting of that. So if there's a course that you want to go to, he'll find money for it. If there's a lab that you want to have, you know, he'll find funding for it. That really goes in kind of our research as well. If you really find anything that you want to do or any opportunity that you want to have or want to go present at, you know, the meeting, there isn't a there isn't sort of a yearly stipend that you have. It's it's kind of he wants to support us in doing anything that we would like to do obviously within reason, but there's definitely a lot of support for that and doing that sort of thing. Could you speak a little bit more about your leadership? Dr. Kumar has been around, I think, for three years now, uh, came in when I was an intern. He has been a, a great asset and a great supporter of everything in our program. Definitely coming in again, like I said, I, I was interested in gender affirmation surgery. He's a craniofacial surgeon, um, but it has been really, really great in pushing me to get the connections that I need, the research that I need. I like to think of our program as sort of a build your own story kind of program. If there's an area that you're interested or an experience that you want to have, as long as it's within, you know, within reason, the, the program, not only, you know, Dr. Kumar, but our, our program and our other residents as well, supports you in doing that. And it's been really good to sort of tailor our education and training to kind of focus in areas that, of, of interest that we have. We also have Dr. Davidson. He will be our program director starting this new academic year. Also fresh and young, which is, which is a really a large asset, I think, to our program very supporting of us and research and honing our skills and getting the training that we need for what our goals are in plastic surgery. In addition to that as well, we also have, like I said, the Metro staff, which is our county hospital. Also a huge support there for both doing research, getting training and getting, you know, expertise that we kind of need in our areas. I think overall, our program really supports kind of driving your own education to get what you need. 
And I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of the relationships among the residents. Well, I, th- I think that we all get along very, very well. Kate, who is my co-resident, and I are best friends. I officiated her wedding, for an example. When we had conferences, obviously those have been put on hold for COVID, but we had conferences every Monday. Afterwards, we would all go out to a local bar and get drinks and kind of talk about, you know, life and how we're doing and things like that. Oftentimes we hang out together for brunches. We go to each other's houses. We sort of plan events. We're a really tight-knit group. Obviously, there's only 12 of us, so I think we kind of have to. But it was really nice to kind of feel that support. Like I said, kind of coming from the top down, support to kind of do what you want and become the surgeon that you want. We work very closely with each other on research, definitely collaborate with each other to kind of do research as well. So it's a very welcoming group. I think that it feels very much like a family. And I I feel like the other residents have my goals and my interests in mind as well. Now thinking more about like how residents choose to live in Cleveland, do most people own or rent? I would say it's about 50-50. I think it kind of depends if you kind of want to have that nice city vibe and have an apartment or a condo in the city, you can totally do that. If you're looking for a quiet sort of, you know, out in the burbs kind of area, yard and a fence and dog and kids and that type of thing, you can have that as well. Cleveland is very, very affordable, especially on a resident's salary. I think you can live very, very well here. And I think that people sort of choose kind of what, what they want, whether that's a house or apartment, living in the city or, you know, a little further away in the burbs. In a similar vein, are most residents single or have kids or is it kind of a mix? It is a mix. Obviously, we're kind of in that age. A lot of our residents have gotten married during residency. We have had three pregnancies in in my time here during residency as well. So I think it's definitely a mix. We have single, we have married, we have recently married, we have residents with family, residents that are just starting families. It's a big mix, but I think we, we all work together. And we all support each other as well. And is it necessary to have a car in Cleveland? I would say yes. Cleveland is a little spread out and the public transit isn't super great. Because we do work at two separate hospitals, one is on the east side and one is on the west side. And we do travel between those two. So a car would be necessary for our residency. And besides the affordability, what are some other things you like about living in Cleveland? So we have a lot of the uh, Carnegie Steel money that's actually in Cleveland. I think Carnegie is actually buried here, I believe. So we have actually a lot of fine arts. We have a free art museum that I think is one of the fifth best art museums. We have a symphony that's in the top 10 of symphonies. And we are the second biggest location other than Broadway in New York for all of the kind of shows as well. So if you're an artsy person, I, I happen to be one of those. It's It's been really, really nice and also very, very affordable as well to kind of have those. For example, the symphony, I sat front row for the symphony for $10 because I'm considered, you know, a Case Western sort of student. So those are kind of all available. Also, we have a, a lot of really, really good high dining restaurants. And like I said, because it's so affordable here, they're kind of easy to go to. And unlike places like California, where I come from, you don't have to make reservations three months in advance. That was actually something I wanted to ask about. It sounds like, you know, you grew up in California and were at school there for a while. How was that kind of transition to coming to the Midwest for you? 
So like I said, the affordability, I think, was the kind of biggest kind of shock to me. Very, very affordable to live very, very nicely, like I said, on a, a resident salary here. And I was looking at programs in California. You don't make much more in California than you do here. So a lot of my friends having to share houses with people, having to have very, very small places to live. Lifestyle was much, much better here. But I think that Cleveland also has kind of everything that you would kind of want in a, a city as well. Like I said, it has a nightlife if that's what you're looking for, has great breweries, has cute neighborhoods with, you know, small shops and that type of thing. And I think that kind of everything that I would be looking for in a city, I, I definitely find here. And also it's a good location too. We're an hour and a half flight from Chicago, hour from New York. So if you're looking for a really, really big city um, kind of experience, it's easy to fly to one of those places during the weekend. But like I said, most of the city stuff that I would want, I, I find here in Cleveland. That's about everything I wanted to cover today. So um, any final thoughts either on your program or on the residency selection process in general? I think our biggest, I guess, takeaway, if I had to give away for our program, is, is really the kind of flexibility to build a program that works for you and to kind of get the education that you want out of it, and I think is our kind of biggest draw. We're a young program that's, you know, kind of went through and just redone everything and tried to make our schedules to, to ideally match what residents would want for their lifestyle. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I really enjoyed it. And thank you very much. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.